This is episode number 682, Poetry, Art, Music, and a Thriving Life, with Humble the Poet. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur, and each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. couple of quotes I wanted to share with you. One is by Robert Frost, who said, poetry is when an emotion has found its thought and the thought has found words. Another one from Lawrence Ferlinghetti, who said, poetry is eternal graffiti written in the heart of everyone. Mm. I'm curious, what is the message you're sharing with other people that is written in the heart of them? What are you saying What are you sharing? What are you creating? How are you living your life? And how are you contributing to the hearts of others? Powerful episode today with my friend Humble the Poet, former elementary school teacher turned MC spoken word artist who has created some amazing work, done a commercial with Apple, come out with multiple books, self-published, that's now traditionally published, and created inspiring videos that has reached millions of people. And he went from being a struggling, starving artist to figuring out his way and how to make a full-time living and abundance of income through poetry, art, music, and ideas, shaping ideas into reality. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this one, whether you're a freelancer, an entrepreneur, a business owner, an employee, you're unemployed. If you're an artist, an actor, you're going to find so much wisdom in the words of Humble, the poet. If you enjoy it, make sure you share it with a friend, lewishouse.com slash 68. As I know, there'll be many moments for you where you might gasp, take a breath, and reflect on your life on how you can take it to another level to make sure that you write pure powerful words on the hearts of everyone. And without further ado, let's dive into this one with Humble, the poet. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off okay quick math 
the less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Welcome, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. My friend, Humble, the poet, is in yes, the house. Sir. Good to see you, man. Yes. Glad you're here. Thank you for having me, man. Of course. You are a former elementary school teacher with a different name. What's your original yes. name? My name is Conwar Singh. Conwar Singh. Yes. And then you changed it to Humble the Poet in 2010? Yeah, about 2009. I was, I was flirting with different art names because back then I was way too scared to like show my face and share my work. So I was like, okay. With I'll, your real name? Yeah. So I was like, hey, I'll put it out. And then I was in a studio with a bunch of guys. And I was like, I was thinking, hey, what if I use the name Humble the Poet? And everyone was like, that name is horrible. Really? That name is too long. It's not going to work on social media. That's, it's just a bad name. Nobody in the room had anything nice to say. And, and my attitude and towards that was like, all right, cool. You guys don't like it. <laughs> Let me show you what I can do with it. I've always had that problem growing up. Pro- always, prove them wrong. Mentality. Proving people wrong, yeah. I'm trying to grow out of that now. But Yeah, you know, that. it's funny you say that because that was my entire upbringing was to prove people wrong about yeah. what I was capable or not capable of doing. And that fire is the second most powerful fuel in the world. Yeah. Proving other people wrong, proving your parents wrong or whatever it may be. But for some reason... About four years ago, I learned to shift that energy into like, let me prove people right or lift others up. Exactly. And do it from a place of love and inspiration. It's way more sustainable. Way more sustainable because I was getting burnt out from that mentality. It took me to a certain place. Yeah. And I'm sure it drove you. It does drive you, but then at the same time, you start to realize many of these people who you're trying to prove wrong, they don't even exist. They don't matter. They don't matter. Or they don't exist. 20 years ago or something. Yeah, they grew up. They're not that same person no more. Yeah, and it's that voice that stuck with you, connected with something that you believed in your own head. And you're like, okay, well, you know, nobody can make you feel ugly unless you feel it yourself in the first place. So their words hold hands with something that you say inside yourself. And I realized that where I was like, it's not sustainable to, you know, prove many of these people wrong. When many of these people, you know, they, they weren't even that bad when they said certain things. So even when these guys were saying my name, there was still some constructive criticism there. Sure. They're still like, hey, this might be too difficult to work with, but... Yeah, throughout my journey, people have given me couches to sleep on. People have put money in my pocket. And I'm, I feel like people have let me stay in their homes, you know, just like Lily. And I was like, proving these people right will always keep my flame alive. And I think it's, it's a healthier energy and it's way more sustainable. Yeah. How have you transitioned from being a school teacher to a, a, a full-time artist, let's say? Yeah. Because you do music, you do poetry, you do, what else do you do? In I your design art? clothes. You design clothes, create love, don't find it. Yeah. How do you make money as an artist and as a poet? 
it's an interesting thing that you, um, that you ask because it's not every art will make you money. I think one of my favorite quotes is some arts will feed your kids, some art will feed your soul. So make sure you know the difference and rarely are they going to be the same thing. Mm. So for me, I think in the beginning... And if they can be the same thing, that's beautiful, right? Oh, fantastic. Then you've hit it. Then you've hit it, but you still have to be mindful that we don't live in this happily ever after world. So if you find that balance, balance isn't one time achieved and you're good. You know, it's always going to be a constant thing that we got to focus on. So if you are passionate and enthusiastic about something and then you find a way to earn money doing it, that's great. But at some point, it may still turn into a job. Mm. At some point, you may start focusing more on the process instead of the content. And I think we've seen that in history quite a few times. I'm trying to be very cognizant of that as well. For me specifically, in terms of making money, it was hand to fist journey for me. In the beginning, I quit my job thinking I had a record deal. So I was working as a teacher, I was making good money as a government job. In Canada, they pay them pretty well. I told myself art was just a hobby. Art was a way to impress girls. Art was a good thing to do after work. And somebody came to me with a writing deal that would have been worth twice what I was making as a teacher. I was like, this is perfect. Quit the job immediately. Didn't know anything about lawyers, paperwork, nothing. Left my job, moved into a condo that I had as a, a rental property. So I was, I was a responsible adult before all of this. I moved into that, started working on this music. And then a year later, everything fell through. No money came, nothing happened. A lot of it was my wishful thinking, me having my blinders on, not seeing the warning signs, right. not realizing how shady the people I was working with actually were. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I hit the point where I was like, okay, it's been a year, you are you know, $80,000 in debt, you don't have any money, you don't know how to make any money, all your credit cards, line of credit, everything's maxed out. Wow. You're gonna go back to work, what are you going to do? And then at that point is when my real journey began. What year was this? This was the end of 2011. And so so that's when it began, the journey of what? I guess my relationship with reality. So no longer was I insulated. I think being a student and and going straight into a school, I was working and living in a very safe environment. As a school teacher, all your colleagues are on your team. There's no competition. You're not being paid in comparison to anybody else. You're on a pay grade for your years and experience. Everybody had my back because the priority were the kids. So if I showed up late after lunch or something, somebody would be watching my students. So it felt very safe. You felt like everybody had your back. And then you jump into entertainment, and the first people to recognize your talents are the people who are like, how can I benefit off his talent? So I had never been exploited up until then. I was a little bit sheltered in terms of mindset, in terms of trusting people. So after I got that first burn, it was kind of this, I felt like I was suffocating on fresh air the first time like my bubble burst and I didn't know what to do and um, Mm. there was a lot of self-pity for a couple of months there was a lot of uh, you know I turned to my best friends were NyQuil and muscle relaxers and I literally thought sleeping it off would it would all fix itself really when we have problems we pretty much have three ways to address it I think we can most realistically humble ourselves take a step back and figure out the problem B, ignore it, deal with the consequences, or C, we pray for a miracle. Whether Mm -hmm. that's winning the lottery, whether that's, I think in terms of our environment, that's hoping science fixes it all up. So I think for me, I was hoping for the miracle to come. And what was really happening was I was doing nothing and I was digging Mm -hmm. myself deeper in a hole. Why is it that a lot of people hope that something or someone will solve the problems for us? I I, I think it's what we grew up seeing on TV. 
I think everything was neatly wrapped up in a bow after 22 minutes. Everything always had a happy ending or it was resolved. This is my challenge, and I don't know if I'm going to piss anyone off by saying this, but this is, I see people saying this sometimes, uh, using either religion or God as a scapegoat, saying, I'm going to pray that God is going to solve all my problems. And I'm all for prayer, and I'm all for connecting to you know God or gods or whatever you believe in. Yeah. But you also have to take action. You have to. You also have to do the work. You can't just say, "Well, God's going to get me the lottery ticket, or God's yeah. going to place the right person in front of me." God might, or the universe might. But if you don't get off the couch and if you don't start working towards something, then probably nothing's going to unfold to you. Am I right? Yeah, it's, it's it's a popular notion where it's like give God the credit when things go well, but then take the responsibility when things don't. And right. I think that seems to be the popular notion. And I recently tweeted. I said, "Hey." You know, for those who believe, what if you believe that you've been given the tools, you've been given the gifts, now you got to use them? Maybe you got the hammer in your hand. Praying isn't going to get you to use it. The treasure is already right in front of us or it's within us, right? Paulo Coelho say that in yeah. The Alchemist. Like, mm-hmm. all the things we have is right here. And we just have to learn how to cultivate it and use it. Yeah. That's the challenge, though. I feel like so many people are waiting for their parents or God or whatever to, to put something in their lap. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, having these entitlements and these comforts. And I think that that one quote about, you know, you don't know how strong, you're like a teabag, you don't know how strong you are until you're in hot water. Mm. And I think for me, I had to hit that rock bottom. And I know the one of the changing points for me was I used to sleep with music playing. And then I heard while the music was playing, and then in the morning, one morning, uh, J. Cole's Dollar in a Dream Part 3 came on. And he says, he goes, what are you going to do? Are you going to grow bitter or grow cold? Or are you going to rise out of this? And that immediately got me out of bed. And I remember printing all these messages on paper and sticking them all over my walls. And none of them were like fluffy Tumblr quotes. They were all like, sink or swim. You don't make any of the shots you don't take. You want a vacation, go back to your day job. You can do this. Show me what you're made of. And mm. it really was, for me, I talked to myself to like suck it up. No one's going to solve your problems. Even if you didn't put yourself in this situation, it's still your responsibility to address it. And I think that's the big one people need to understand is our problems may not be our fault, but they are our responsibility. And I think once I owned that responsibility and said, look, here are your options. And a lot of the options, none of them were groundbreaking thoughts. Like, right. It was, you need to sell this place. <laughs> you need to get out of debt. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to move back home with mommy and daddy for a bit. You're going to have to lick your wounds and figure this out and build yourself back up. And the journey of 2012 to about 2015, 2016, that's what that journey was of figuring it all out. And I'm so glad I went through that. It taught me what was really important for myself. It taught me how to, how to live much more minimally. I realized most of the stuff I didn't need. Even now, things are going really well. I still live my struggling artist budget. Mm-hmm. You know? Lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, you live that because you're like, oh, I really don't need half of those things. And then things start to find you anyways. You start to get free clothes. You start to get free things as an influencer or trips, what have you. Whatever, yeah. yeah, trips and everything as well. And then you start to realize like, wow, you know, I don't need a full closet full of clothes. I don't need 18 pairs of shoes. Me specifically. If other people enjoy it, by all means. But it taught me a lot about what was important. And I think the big thing, what it taught me was the value of my time. How I spend my time is more important than anything else in the world. I think that's the most important. Because you can't make time back. We can always make our money back. And from that point, it was, you know, it was sucking it up, you know, lacing up my bootstraps or whatever the, the sayings are. And I I pretty much first identified the problems, which was I had 
a lot of bills that I couldn't afford to pay. I didn't even have the option of going deeper in debt. Everything was maxed out. I needed to liquidate. So I went on Craigslist and sold everything that I could. At that point, once I liquidated all that, then I sold my place. Uh, I paid back all my personal loans first. Wow. There were a lot of people that, you know, they believed in me. Give you a hundred, few hundred here, a couple thousand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, my big thing was I didn't want to be that guy who borrowed money from people and avoided them. So once I, I realized in the situation, I called everybody and said, listen, I don't have your money right now, but I will get you your money. I am not going to avoid you. I am letting you know this is my situation, and I owned up to it. That's the hardest and thing to do for people. It is. It's to confront the people that loan them money yes. when they've passed the due date of paying it back, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't want to talk to this person because I can't. Because it gets, it gets a little bit awkward. And I, but the thing, the truth was, I didn't have any options. It wasn't that I could have done anything. I had to still figure it out. I'm proud to say I did pay everybody back. And then eventually the bank got their money too. You know, they were less. And I think I got out of debt end of 2014. So it took about three, four years to yeah. get out. And then I had fueled myself for those three, four years. Oh, it's going to feel so good when you have that zero bank account. It's going to feel so good. And then what? It felt good for like three days. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, what's next? Now I got to make money. Yeah, I got to make money. Um, now I'm at zero. I'm at zero, yeah. Now what do I do? Yeah. Now what do I do? But I think the good thing was whatever I did to get to zero, I kind of maintained that. I, I, may, I, I didn't start spending money and buying jewelry and stuff like that. I maintained that lifestyle. And to be honest, by the end of 2015, I had a pretty juicy bank account from... Just, you know, small pieces of work. But what I also realized is all these years I'd been planting seeds. I had written my first book independently. I crowdfunded it. And I put it out to my followers. I had about 60,000 followers on Facebook back then. But back then, when you had 60,000 followers. They all saw it. They all saw it. (laughs) It's not like Facebook now where you can have a million followers and like eight people see what you post. But uh, they all saw it. And I raised about 25 grand Mm. off of doing the first book. And that really taught me a lot about putting myself out there, making myself vulnerable, asking for help, connecting with people. And I think that was the pivotal moment where things started to spiral upwards. Mm -hmm. From there, different opportunities came, meeting different people, and you start to realize that, hey, we don't need everything immediately. Like, you know, people may know, we've been friends for a while. This is my first time on the show, but we've been hanging out. And I think that's the important thing where I started focusing a lot more on the rainbow and not thinking about the pot of gold. And really thinking that, hey, we need to, I need to enjoy this journey now while I'm on it. And go back to what made me excited about it since I was a kid, spending hours in front of my computer editing videos with no audience, with no idea of if even I was going to share it with the world. And really just trying to reconnect with that person because that keeps things as authentic as they need to be. What are the biggest mistakes you see that poets or artists and creatives in general do? I think the number one thing is I think we have to be a lot more honest with ourselves. We can't start acting a little bit high and mighty and be like, hey, this is all about helping other people. Sometimes it is about us. It's about getting attention. You know, there is a business involved in this. You know, we're trying to get our followers. We're in an attention economy. And there are different tricks and tools that you can do to get attention. And I think I'm not here to judge people for what they do to get attention, but I think it's important that they understand why they're making the decisions that they're making. So if I got a cool poem, but I'm still putting some girl's cleavage in my thumbnail to get people to watch it, I have to at least be honest with myself about Mm -hmm. that. Because it is, you know, I'm in L.A., I understand. You got to do what you have to do to get attention. And I think often I, I, people reach out to me, they're like, well, I need to make a difference. I need to change people. I need you to help me reach a larger audience. And 
I think to myself, if you really want to make a change, you can join somebody's movement. The fact that you want to lead a movement makes it about something more. And Tony Robbins talks about all of us have that need for significance. So I have compassion towards them for wanting that significance. We all want it. There's just healthier ways of getting it. Because I feel that if you're chasing fame, just like when I was chasing being debt-free, I, I wasn't simply visualizing it, I was emotionalizing it. I was promising myself a certain feeling when I hit it. And I can promise you, and I know you've experienced this too, we rarely accurately can predict the emotions we're going to feel when we hit a certain milestone and how long it's going to last. So getting out of debt felt great for a couple of days. Then I was back to the next thing. You know, hitting certain other things in my bank account felt good. You know, I, I just signed a, a major publishing deal, felt great for a couple of days. You know, I was an Apple commercial. There's a whole bunch of things that happened. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And it only lasts for a short amount of time. And I think that's really important for people to recognize. If you put all your hopes and dreams into these big moments that last yeah. little little moments, you yeah. know, little bits of time, then you're going to be disappointed. You're definitely. You're going to feel depressed because you be like, oh, I thought this was the end-all, be-all. It's yeah. like the pot of gold. But really, as the saying goes, it's all about enjoying the journey. And I think that's what I've learned to appreciate over time is like, I'm in the middle of a talk show that just came out. A yeah, congratulations, man. It's really good. Thank you. And it's been like a year and a half, two years in the making, you yeah. know? So it's like... You think when it launches, it's going to be this like unbelievable feeling. I did it. Like it happened. And yes, but also now's the time to work even harder. Yeah. It's out. Now there's a whole, that's when it begins the journey, the promotion, the marketing, the working to get it picked up, all those things. Completely, yeah. And I think you have to also realize is your real reward in the game of entrepreneurship or in the game of living a life through your own terms, the real reward is more opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's not a juicy check. It's not going to be a private jet. It's going to be more opportunities to do the things that excite you. Freedom, flexibility, all those things. Freedom, flexibility. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And the real reward for me has been stories of people that are impacted by the work. Yeah. And I'm sure you, you get that a lot too when, when you come out with a song or a book or a video and it resonates so deeply with someone's struggles or challenges and they feel either relief or they feel a sense of power moving forward or it helps them overcome something. For me, that's where I get the reward. Yeah. Like that's more than the paycheck. It's interesting you brought that up because I think what you actually caused me to do is have a little bit of an existential crisis because after hanging out with you and realizing... <laughs> what happened? I remember once we were talking about metrics in terms of success and uh -huh. you said, I want to see how many people I can impact. Uh -huh. I think a lot of the, the content that I create around self-help actually came from me needing to figure it out for myself. Sure, sure. So when I was in the dumps... I couldn't afford a fluffy Tumblr quote. I couldn't afford some empty affirmation. I can only afford to consume the, real, the realness and pragmatic advice. And as a student, as a lifelong learner, I loved sharing my notes with the world. And that's kind of where these books and, and my Instagram posts came from. They came from that space more so than a space of, I need to help certain people, I need to do certain things. And when you made that metrics, I was like, wow, Lewis... I need people to know, Lewis really cares about you guys. <laughs> he cares about you guys. You guys get him up in the morning. And I think for me, I had to be honest with myself and I say, I do care about people. I want to help people. But I, as I had to do, as you had to do, and most people that we know who are excelling at a higher level, is there's only so much we can help and people have to Absolutely. show them the door. They got to walk through it. it. And I think for me, I started to realize when I started getting these messages about, oh, you've helped me do so-and-so, it, it kind of, I'd already prepped myself as an artist to kind of have thicker skin for the negativity, and that thick skin keeps out the positivity as well. Interesting, really? Yeah, so you, you don't really, see the positivity? Well, I kind of look at the opinions of other people a little bit more as white noise, whether it's negative or positive, because I, I grew up with racism, I grew up, you know, getting comments as, why is Osama rapping, what's, what's happening? And having thick skin in the neighborhood I grew up in as well, you need a little bit thicker skin, my friends... They're all jerks. We all tease each other a lot, what have you. So I think I always used to measure, even when hate came my way, I used to measure it through the wit. Like, is this a witty joke? Was I, was I worthy of something funny for them to say? So even when the positivity came, and I think when I was struggling, a lot of it had to do with reading a positive comment and knowing that I was struggling and being like, well, your love and affection and kind words aren't paying my bills right now and really kind of being in that pragmatic space. And now that things are better, kind of realizing that a lot of it is a little bit more white noise than I want it to be. And I think specifically talking to you and Jay Shetty mm -hmm. and seeing it in your eyes, how much connecting with people has been fantastic. And I was like, wow, there's so much more sincere and authentic in it. And that made me really question myself what I wanted to do and why I was doing it. And I think it was healthy for me to, to be honest with myself about that and be like, look, I, what keeps me going is the creativity of it. The reason my content has this feel of, of self-help or self-improvement is because those are timeless ideas. The same way 
Bob Marley or Lauryn Hill or you know even the Beatles wrote certain types of content that it will stand the test of time because it's talking about the human condition. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I was heavy into activism. And then you start digging deeper. You're like, okay, instead of talking about this greedy country or this greedy government, let's talk about greed. And then now let's talk about the greed inside of me. And I think I took that journey mm. a little bit more. And so I think, and I also kind of understood the idea that as an artist, once you put your work out there, it's no longer yours. So people interpret your work as they interpret it. It becomes theirs. It becomes theirs. And that has a lot to do with their context. And comedians have talked about it. If a comedian makes a, a joke about rape or murder, for example, if somebody in the audience has experienced that, they're not going to enjoy that conversation no. as much as other people. So you realize that I'm only half the conversation. Once I'm out there, once my words are out there, I can't take them back and I can't control it. So I think I've kind of had a little bit of a divorce from my work and the audience in that context. And I was like, hey, you know what, let me continue to learn and continue to share. But I don't think, you know, the messages that I get, and I'm grateful for them. And I do, I just got a message yesterday saying, you know, I wanted to harm myself and and your words stopped me from doing Mm. so. When I was younger, I wanted to harm myself too. And it was somebody else's words that did it. So I guess I feel like I'm just part of a grander system and I want to help people. But I think on a selfish level, it's really about the creativity learning new things, the access to really cool people that this this life affords me, and adding value. And I think adding value whether people see it today or not. Because for a long time, nobody was seeing what I was doing, and I had to keep going. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to maintain that mindset. That's great. Do you face a lot of challenges and struggles with racism or based on the way you look or anything, your appearance for people? I mean, overall, I want to say yes, but it's, it's been such a double-edged sword. It's, you know, growing up, it was a lot more difficult, but I think it definitely built character, and I'm glad it happened. I think... Uh, and for those that aren't watching the YouTube video, Oh, I have a very juicy beard, and I wear a turban, and I know I, I am Punjabi, which is uh, North Indian, and a lot of people think that I'm Middle Eastern or Muslim, which I'm not. So I'm part of Sikh heritage, Sikh means student. Sikh, right? It's a Sikh. It's a lot of people say Sikh. But it's spelled? S-I-K-H. S-I-K-H. Yeah. Sikh is how Sikh. you... Okay. Yeah. So Sikh in Punjabi means to learn. So a Sikh is a student. We represent 2% of India, and uh, we're, we're a martial group of people. We have a philosophy of chasing the truth, understanding yourself, understanding everybody as one, and pretty much... We're considered saint soldiers, so we're not the most passive people. We're, we, you know, we, we have to learn martial arts. We're not the most passive-aggressive individuals, but uh, it's been a, a cool journey. And so kind of realizing that, you know, coming out to L.A., learning words like safe space. I grew up where we thrive in the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always been. So I'm the minority in, in my home country where, where my parents, I was born in Canada, but I'm the minority in Toronto. I'm a minority where my parents were born in Punjab. I'm a minority anywhere I go. So that's been my reality. I couldn't even imagine being in a world where I was part of the majority. And uh, so I think how does it feel or how, how are you affected by it? Um, I see the benefits of it. I think when, when your identity is challenged regularly, you actually have to own it. So I, I'm not who I am because somebody told me to be this way. I am who I am because I had to think about it. People challenged me. People like, why are you looking like that? You're not going to get any girls if you look like that. You're not going to get any opportunities if you look like that. And for me to be like, well, no, this is who I feel most comfortable being. This is, mm. this is, this is my heritage. This is what masculinity, how I understand masculinity to be growing up. And uh, Will Smith said it. He goes, you know, you give it power. You give racism power when you acknowledge it sometimes. 
So, you know, work through it, work around it, smash a hole in it, do whatever you have to do. And I think as well as the story played out long enough where I saw the benefits. As a teacher, being a visible minority really helped me out, especially as an elementary school teacher. Why is that? Um, they needed the numbers. Elementary schools don't have a lot of males, uh. even less males of you know, different ethnicities. So I definitely got preferential. So it was an advantage for you. It was an advantage. I think in the Trump world, it's an advantage. I think what a lot of people need to acknowledge is Trump encouraged a lot of underrepresented people to find a backbone and stand up for themselves. Mm. Yeah, now, now minorities have more voice than ever. They've, they've had to find that voice. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing that, you know, maybe we should send him a, a fruit basket for it because he created conditions where we had to find our voice and realize that, hey, no one else is going to take care of us. We have to do it on our own. Let's stand up. Let's make, let's shout it out on social media. Let's form groups. Let's collectively mm-hmm. come up with ideas on how we can combat this. Or Completely. And so for me, I think I've, I've received opportunities because of that. Mm-hmm. You got uh, an Apple commercial. Got an app, started an Apple commercial for uh, the first uh, iPhone commercial in Canada that was shot just wow. for Canada, yeah. Uh, celebrating the 150th birthday. Because I feel like more than ever, we're celebrating diversity and inclusion of diversity uh, in general in our society, wouldn't you say? I, th- I think definitely. And I think being from Toronto, which is one of the most diverse places on the planet, even when I did the Apple commercial, it was really interesting. The, one of the things they said to me was, we have three, three uh, restraints that we kind of want you to work around. We said, you know, you're celebrating Canada, so we don't want you to, to get super uh, stereotypical. So no poutine, no Mounties. We don't want you to... Loonies and toonies. Yeah, loonies and toonies. <laughs> don't get stereotypical. <laughs> maple, syrup. Mar- maple syrup. The second one was um, don't take a dump on the U.S. Uh-huh. You know, many Canadians identify themselves as being not American. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't want any of that in your work. And the third one, which I thought was the most interesting, is don't lean on diversity. Don't lean on it. Yeah, don't lean on multiculturalism. We've, we've had that. We are multicultural. Yeah. We've had it for 20, 30 years now. We are multicultural. Yeah, we yeah. are. So don't, don't lean on that. Now, write a poem and celebrate Canada. And I was like, damn, they took out all the good stuff. And I remember going to a party, and I was at this party, and I realized that the diversity extended beyond ethnicity. So I saw an East Asian guy who looked like a punk rocker, and then I saw another East Asian guy who looked like he was a, you know, a young professional, and then you see another East Asian guy who was a hipster. And you realize that once people are allowed to be how they were born, their ethnicity, now they also have the freedom to be what they want, the archetype. You know, and I think LA is a really good example of that. You walk down the street, everyone, everyone's a different, you know, <laughs> different character. I know my father; he gets always worried about me coming to the states because he thinks it's all Trump country, and I'm gonna get a hate crime. And I was like, listen, Dad, I can walk down the street in LA with a bright blue turban, mm, wearing a me. bikini, no one's looking at me because there's always seven other people who are much louder than yeah. me on these streets. And I love that. I love the archetype. I love when people get to decide how they're gonna be diverse. And I think that's where we need to be heading now. And I think mm-hmm. the city of Toronto is like that right now. I think this is your quote where you said, don't be realistic, don't play the popularity game, and don't chase trends. Today belongs to the weirdos, the creatives, the introverts, the beardos, and everyone else who doesn't fit in. Mm. That seems to be the opposite of most popular branding advice. Why do you believe this? I think it's also kind of, you know, uh, what we were talking about a little bit earlier, there's, you, can, you can ride a wave or you can start a wave. And as an artist who is now working on slower, you know, slow-cooked work, that takes a lot longer. Deeper work. Deeper work. I'm not focused as much on my process. I'm not trying to release something once a week. I'm not trying to release something on a schedule. I'm trying to get stuff to a point that I'm proud of and getting it done. And that's when, as an artist, I have the ability to bring something new to the world. I think 
one of the main challenges and the importance of artists is we're here to create new ideas that the world hasn't experienced yet. And those ideas influence the entire planet. You know, you watch a movie from the 70s and 80s that depict the future. We pick up off of that, whether it's video phones, whether it's architecture, whether it's the style of cars. You know, I feel like Elon Musk. Flying cars. Yeah, flying cars. Elon Musk, I feel, is just like completely influenced by whatever movies he saw as a kid when he's designing these Tesla cars, Mm -hmm. even their features or what have you. And I think as artists, it's really important that we understand that we're here to contribute something, not just to add to the noise. So if there's a current trend and we're just riding these trends, we're not really contributing And our biggest resistance comes from people who value the past. These people are called fundamentalists, but fundamentalism isn't just religion. There's fundamentalists in sports. People arguing, should soccer have instant replays? Mm. Uh, Should hockey have a thicker blue line? You know, should basketball allow 17-year-olds to play? And people are like, hey, it, it wasn't like that before, don't change it. People who value the past, they are the biggest source of resistance to an artist who's trying to bring in new ideas. And I think that's why it's so important for us to have these guys like Kanye West because he is the guinea pig for the ultimate artist. He's like, look, this guy is saying anything he feels at any given moment in time. Nobody's saying he's always right, but everybody can say that he's free to say it and think it. And he's kind of showing the world that, hey, look, I'm doing it. And what are the real consequences of me doing it? I still have a business. I still have my family. Mm -hmm. I may not be on everybody's Christmas list, (laughs) but you're kind of signing up for that when you're an artist. Really? Yeah. When you plug yourself into society and, and you stick to the template, your biggest challenge is going to be boredom. And I think, you know, consumerism gives us a lot of stuff to kind of occupy ourselves. When you unplug yourself and, and you take the entrepreneurship, you live life by your own terms, your biggest challenge is going to be isolation. Yeah. You're going to feel a little bit lonely. Do you think artists can be truly happy? I don't think happiness should be anybody's goal. I don't think there's any value that actually comes from happiness. What should be the goal? Stimulation, experience, growth, contribution. We grow when we learn. And as Bill Gates said, success is a lousy teacher. So we learn from everything that is the opposite of happiness. And when we learn and we grow, that's when we're able to contribute and add back. And I think for me personally, I want to to give this world more than I took from it before I leave. And I'm not going to get that being happy. And happy happiness isn't a sustainable idea. Because you got to be in some type of challenge or trying something that you fail at in order to grow. Because that's where you can give back. Exactly. you got to rip the muscles for them to grow back stronger. And I think that's the same with your artistic muscles. That's the same with your your life. So I think in the beginning, a lot, including your story, my story, is in the beginning, it is we are living an uncomfortable situation that was not by choice. And we slowly crawled, dug, and fought to find light at the end of the tunnel. And then we made it out. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference after that is, did we go and start searching for more uncomfortable situations to be in? Because they may never find us anymore. We got to find them ourselves. Some people get comfortable, take a lifelong vacation, and their story rides out. I think for folks like you and I, we're like, well, what's the new challenge? It may not find us. We have to find it. How do I empty my bank account and put it into something and invest into something, invest into myself? How do I take risks? How do I get that feeling that I used to get on a roller coaster Mm -hmm. in life? How do I create that for myself? And I think, how do I find problems that I'm excited to solve? Because I think that's the other thing. There's no such thing as a life without problems. We just got to find a life. Unless you're just playing it safe and not trying anything. Even then, problems come from that. 
True. You know, True. you know, the atrophy. We get, we get, our life can have atrophy. So I, I feel like instead, let's find problems that we want to solve. And I think, you know, most of our conversation, I, I recently hit you up about, you know, marketing and investing and stuff like that. And learning, you know, where can I spend my money? How can I do these things? I could just leave it in, you know, I was afraid of going broke for the longest time after I made money that I had just a very simple savings account. You just saved it all. Put it all in one account. It's all that's in one the, account. Isn't it funny? The, the challenge is, okay, I'm in debt. I need to go to even. Then you get to that, you solve one problem. Then you're like, okay, now I don't want to be broke anymore. Yeah. I need to make money. And then you get good at making money, but then it's just in a savings account. And you say, well, this is just sitting here not making me any money. Yeah. So how do I invest it? And you have to learn a whole new game. And then it's like, okay, I'm making all this money. Now there's all these taxes. Yeah. How do I save it from like all that structure? So there's always a new challenge when you Completely. grow. Yeah. And I think we need to look forward to those challenges. I think those challenges in themselves should be our markers for success. I personally am not trying to be goal-oriented anymore. I'm mm. trying to be more habit-oriented. Mm. So what direction do I want to head? Well, I want to, I want to have a business that continues to earn. I don't care if, if I hit a million or 10 million. I just want to be earning. So, you know, if I'm making more this year than I made last year, then I'm on the right path. And let's maintain that as a sustainable model moving mm-hmm. forward versus kind of propping up the idea like, oh, when I hit my first million, because I already did that with the debt. You know, oh, when I get out of debt, I'm going to feel a certain way. So hitting other markers, are gonna, I know they're going to feel a certain way. I think there was actually a study that came out that said, you know, if you're making, I think they said for a major city, if you make over $75,000, your well-being and happiness is no different yeah. from seventy-five to like $5 billion Because at the end of the day, once your basic needs are met and you're out of the struggle phase, what's next? I challenge my followers, I have a post coming up soon, where I challenge them to say, hey, you won $10 million in the bank. After you won the $10 million, a year has gone by. So now let's just take out that. I'm going to buy my mama a house. I'm going to buy this car. I'm going to travel the world. Let's, let's get that out of your system. A year has gone by. What does your day look like? What does your life look like? How are you spending your time now? Now that you've gotten all that out of your system, that's the life that you should be wanting to live. And most of that doesn't really take a lot of money, you know, on a daily basis. How, what, what's your day-to-day going to look like? What are you going to be eating? How are you going to be spending your time? Who are you going to be spending your time with? And a lot of that, I don't feel it has a lot to do with money. It's going to have a lot to do with how we spend our time and what we think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often are you writing poems? Interesting po- enough. poetry in general? Poetry in general is not happening as much as I want it to happen. I'm working on a book right now. My deadline is the end of October. But it has made me realize that, you know, before I got into the world, the literary world, and I was just rapping and writing spoken word poetry, that was my only mode of communication. So if something frustrated me in the world and I wanted to write about it, it had to be written in rhyme. It had to be. Really? Which is a lot more work than writing a pro. Once I got into writing books and finding success with it, I realized I'm doing less work but getting more success. And that really almost kind of got me into this corner of being a little bit lazier. Um, I've become more aware of that now, so now I've had to set it. So I have a daily goal right now of, of a thousand words. Per day, and actually on my Instagram, I mark it down. I have a calendar, a little calendar, printed off off the internet, and every day on my Instagram story, I put the X if I get it. Oh, that's cool. And if I don't do it, I put a little sad face. <laughs> so it's my accountability with the audience. A lot of people have hit me up saying they're doing it for healthy eating, they're doing it for the gym now. So my goal is once I hit the uh, the deadline and submit my manuscript, that's also when you know you publish the book. That's when the second payment comes in. So I'm like, all right, after that, I'm going to maintain it. Just the same way I was saving to get out of debt, I didn't change my spending habits after I got out of debt. 
I have a lifestyle that's allowing me to write this book. Once I'm done the book, I'm going to convert that into 16 bars and write poetry, write rhymes every day. Because I think creating that from an artistic level is some, some of the most exciting stuff that I've done. What's your favorite line or paragraph of a poem that you've written? Most recently, the one that's been sticking with me uh, is actually the one I wrote for Apple, which is, we see ourselves in the stories of others, but free ourselves writing our own. And I feel like storytelling is this thread that we can all have to connect with each other and also connect with ourselves. And I think the second we have a healthier way of connecting with ourselves, we can have a better relationship with the rest of the world. Mm. Because once we start to see ourselves and be forgiving of some of the things that we may the world has told us isn't cool. It's not cool if, you didn't, if you're not productive. It's not cool if you didn't hustle hard today. If you give yourself a little bit of compassion for that, then it'll allow you to have compassion for the rest of the world the same way. And um, I think most recently learning the idea that all humans need to feel connection and the fast food potato chip version of connection is like social media, mm-hmm. but also self-pity. Feeling sorry for ourselves is the easiest way we can feel connected. Because what I'll do is like, nobody understands me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Louis doesn't understand. She doesn't understand. I've isolated myself from you guys, but at the same time, strengthened my connection with myself. But just like eating a lot of McDonald's, it's not sustainable. And eventually, you know, there'll be negative impacts of having that. And kind of challenging people to say, look, it's, you know, and as, as you've said and stuck in my head, Good things happen when we delay gratification. It's true. Self-pity is instant gratification for connection. Social media is instant gratification for connection. And if we say, hey, let me limit my social media, let me limit my self-pity and focus on more long-term ways to feel connection, connection with human beings, connection with people in the world, connection with strangers, connections with our families, which are a lot more work but are a lot more sustainable in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like a 30-second, one-minute poem you can share that you ever memorized? A 30-second, one-minute poem that I have memorized? Okay, yeah, I'll, I have one. Uh, so this one was written for my father. My father, was, uh, my father had a master's degree in economics in university in India, but when he came to Canada in the 70s, he didn't have the option of, of, of using that education, so he became a cab driver. Mm. So I wrote a poem called Life of an Immigrant. They told him the grass was greener, with an endless flood of possibilities. Katrina, watch him drown in debt. Land confiscated by the local government, so he flies high in a jet plane. Plain clothes just exposed him to the harsh winters of life, but his wife won't know about the sweat soaked and the banknotes sent home. Boy getting grown, he starts to groan. Stomach's rumbling. Hungry for a better life, now he's stumbling over foreign phonetics and those verb tenses. They're laughing at his accent. It's not an accident, though, that his master's in economics isn't honored. Most economic for a father to hop his ass in a cab and never bother getting out that car or his dreams. Memorize the route and collect the fare. It isn't fair when they say you don't belong here with that long beard and that towel around your head. Hear what was said. So can the hate. Can you relate? Life of an immigrant. Mm, I love it. Love it, my man. Thank you, brother. Um, We've got two final questions for you. Before we uh, ask those, where can we connect with you online? How can we get your books? Where can we follow you? So it's Humble the Poet on all social media. Most active on Instagram, trying to add value to the world and make yeah. people smile. Everything I do is on my website, humblethepoet.com. 
so many cool projects working out. So uh, YouTube channel as well, right? YouTube channel. So I, I I also am a filmmaker and I I make music videos that take me a long time to make. Yeah. But I'm super. They're my babies, and, and and that's where all the money I make I kind of pour into them and I kind of create these. And the goal is to again make new ideas and bring things to the space that haven't existed yet. And I grew up on. A lot of amazing rappers, but a lot of beautiful visuals. So if you remember all that, all the Hype Williams stuff, so like every Missy Elliott video you've ever seen, every Busta Rhymes video you've ever seen, they're always larger than life. And I'm really yeah. trying to bring that back. So I've been self-funding my own music videos wow. and really kind of shooting some cool stuff. It's great, man. Yeah. And the next book comes out? Oh, depending on where you are in the world. <laughs> it's very different. So uh, my book, Unlearn, has just become a bestseller in Canada, and I just got picked up by Harper here. And we're doing a redesign for that. So that's probably coming out in the spring. And the book I'm writing right now, which I don't have a title for, should be coming out at the end of next year. So that's, that's going to be my major publication debut. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then, but you can find my stuff right now on Amazon Very cool. before I signed a contract and they make me take it off. Right, <laughs> exactly. This is called the three truths question we ask everyone at the end. If this was the last day for you and you'd achieved everything you wanted in your life, let's say it's 100 years from now, okay. but you've got to go on. Your body's got to leave the earth. It's time to pass on. Mm-hmm. But it's a celebration. You've got everything you want. You've done everything you wanted to do. But for whatever reason, you've got to take all your work with you. So no one has access to the videos, the poetry, the books. It all goes with you. And you could share three final lessons with the world. And this is what they would have to remember you by. Three truths or lessons. What would you say are your truths? Um, the first truth is, you know, everyone tells us to be ourselves, but we can't be ourselves if we don't know ourselves. So really spend time, put it in your calendar, half an hour a day, just to figure out who you are, you know. And if you consider that sitting quietly in a room and meditating, by all means, if it's going for a long walk, do that. If it's going into the middle of the desert and taking some funny drug and figuring out that way. Whatever you consider self-exploration is, please do it. It'll help you understand yourself and be yourself and connect with the rest of the world. Never run away from discomfort. Never run away from discomfort. Discomfort is your friend. All good things happen outside your comfort zone. So leave it slowly but surely, but uh, never run away from discomfort or uncomfortable situations. And I think last is... You know, I think the quote is, we, we overestimate what we can get, we do in a day and we underestimate what we can do in a year. So I think it's focus on the baby steps, focus on the rainbow. Don't even think about the pot of gold. It's the rainbow that's really made out of diamonds. Enjoy it. Dance on it. Tomorrow isn't promised. We are insignificant in the grand scheme of things. That is not depressing. That is liberating. You get to live on your own terms uh, and enjoy that. And... It'll feel good if you add value to other people's lives. It's not, it's not simply a moral thing. It's really, you will feel good if you can contribute and you will find that significance that you're searching for by contributing to other people. Mm-hmm. Those are good. I think it was about 50 truths, but I like that. <laughs> I like it. The run-on. I acknowledge you, humble, for finding yourself and, and speaking your truth into the world because, you know, I think it's really hard for people to stand up and be who they want to be and you're physically showing it, you're showing it emotionally, you're showing it verbally, you're you're constantly being true to what you want to do and the message you want to share with the world. So I acknowledge you for all the work you do, man, and for your mm-hmm. constant progress, constant growth, constant learning. You're being the example of what we should all man, be. Man, I'm learning from you. And I'm not even I'm not saying that to gas you up. Again, we hang out a lot 
off camera, and you are that guy. And I, and again, you are so that guy. You made me question who I was. So oh, I was wow. like, wow, his energy, his enthusiasm, it's there. It's there all the time. You don't even consume caffeine, so I was just like, I have coffee every now and then. Every now yeah, and then, but I don't drink alcohol. Or yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a little bit more rough around the edges with my, <laughs> with my lifestyle decisions. So when I see you do these things, I was like, he. The only way he can do this on a sustainable level, as far as you've done it, is you have to actually care. And I think that's important. There are a lot of snake oil salesmen out there. There's a lot of people selling dreams uh, and and pretending to have a a great life in order to prey on people who are desperate to get out of their hole. And I know this because I was in a hole and I was desperate. And there was a lot of people trying to take advantage of me. And I think the world is a better place for great guys like you that actually exist doing this for the right reasons. Thank you, brother. So thank you, brother. Final question for you, what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is being in constant competition with yourself and focusing on getting better every single day. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is, is when you're good, you gotta tell people, when you're great, they tell you. Oh, I'm all the poet. Appreciate it, brother. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this one, my friends. If you did, shout it out on Twitter, on Instagram, Tag both Humble the Poet and at Lewis Howes. Make sure to follow Humble. Check out all of his work and art and poetry and music, all the good stuff that he's up to. He's leading an inspiring life. And I want you to be inspired by all the stories we bring to you, by all the the individuals, what they're creating, what they're up to, how they're making an impact in their own life so you can apply this to your life. Lawrence Ferlinghetti said, Poetry is eternal graffiti written in the heart of of everyone. What is the art you are putting out in the world? You may not think you're an artist, but you are. How are you impacting the hearts of everyone else? What is landing on them? What is sticking to someone's heart because of what you say and who you're being and how you show up? That is what you should think about. What is the thing that people feel the most when they think about you or your message or your work? I love you so very much, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S.